You're listening to the IFF TV podcast, presented by Paul Nealon. Hello, McIntyre's Football Fan TV. It's myself, Paul Nealon, and I'm joined by Gary Spain. I know we've been away for a couple of weeks in terms of content and stuff like that. We were just kind of looking and assessing different things and kind of the best way in which we can get our League of Ireland podcast basically to perform. So we've kind of done a new format where we're not really going to go as much in detail about the round of games because obviously every week things are changing so much. So basically what, what we're going to try and do from now on is we're going to try and get maybe two guests, maybe one if we can't get the second, but uh, try and get two guests every week or every second week depending on fixtures and um, basically have a chat with them regarding things around the league, whether it could be their team doing well or whatever it is. Um, Gary spoke with uh, Tommy Barrett uh, earlier on today, which we'll have later on in the show, but we're going to kind of dissect some stuff. I obviously was this morning with uh, Shamrock Rovers as well, speaking with Richie Tell and Stephen Bradley as well, ahead of their European fixtures as well. That's something we'll be covering at the end of the show as well. So basically, uh, we'll get straight in. I suppose, Gary, since we last seen you, you know, things were kind of developing at the top of the league in terms of a title race, but I suppose things have, have blown wide open, um, although Shamrock Rovers got back with a, with a brilliant result against Dundalk on Friday. Yeah, it was a brilliant result for them, especially they came from behind and a couple of pivotal moments as well when uh, Dundalk were 1-0 up. Um Big call, possibly on a penalty, and uh, a fantastic save by Alan Manis. We've talked before about how valuable he is to Shamrock Rovers, and uh, he just keeps proving it again and again. Um, so, yeah, a, a, a big week for Shamrock Rovers in the title race. Big win for Sligo Rovers, too. I mean, you might dismiss Longford, but to go away from home and to just dig out that 1-0 win and to keep, keep pace at the top uh, was crucial for them. Uh, Bowes, I mean, what do you say? Are, are they still in the title race? Pats obviously still are, but Bowes had a, an incredible win over Pats. I'm sure they'll take uh, great delight in, over that, almost as much as the win over Rovers uh, a couple of weeks ago as well. So, um, yeah, I, I still think it's great that we have a title race, that it's all so close, and that uh, you see so many leagues around Europe that can have runaway title winners and uh, I, I think as a neutral looking on, it's fantastic. And I hope it stays tight till the end. It's funny because obviously a couple of weeks ago, well, I'd say maybe six weeks ago, we were saying like Shamrock Rovers are going to run away with it. Now, I know they have had injuries and stuff like that. And Richie played his first game, obviously, against his old club there the other night and had a hand in, in one of the goals, Sean Gannon's goal, funny enough. Um but yeah, just I I just think now Shamrock Rovers, I think they will kick on. I think um, Richie will obviously start getting fit through the European games and stuff like that. I think we'll start seeing the best of him throughout the summer, and uh, I think he'll he'll be a massive lift for them. Obviously, a proven winner wherever he's gone, and as well as that, look, I just I'm looking around the league, and every time you're expecting teams to win, they fall off. Like Sligo, I know they lost there last week, and and Pat's then against Bowes, so. It's just, it's an up and down. Even, even when you're looking at Drogheda, they're thinking that they're going to kick on to Europe and then they get beat 4-1 by Bowes, Bowes, I think it was. So, there's just been mad results. And it is one of those, it, it is one of those leagues where basically anyone on any given day can beat anybody. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, yeah, look, we were talking, as you said, a few weeks ago, and I think we kind of expected Shamrock Rovers to just kick on and, and win. And I know I did say the caveat at the time, was possibly Europe, uh, 
And now we've at the stage where they're at Europe. Now, they do have the squad to cope. There's no team in the league better equipped uh, with a squad to cope for injuries and cope for Europe than Shamrock Rovers. Um, but they haven't so far kicked on. They've, they've had quite a few surprising results. Uh, they've had some good results in the meantime as well. And uh, so now it does come into the testing time. They will have at least four games in Europe. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully more, and uh, it will test. It will test the title race, and it will be interesting to see if St. Pat's or Sligo Rovers or possibly even Bowes um, can can keep in the hunt and maybe get their noses in front, and that will really put the pressure on. Yeah, but I suppose just I uh, have the legal table up here in front of me, and uh, you know, after nineteen games, you Shamrock Rovers level on thirty-eight points. With Sligo over St. Pat's then on thirty-five points and Bowes then on thirty points. I don't, I, I don't feel as though Bowes are in the title race. I think they're definitely in the European race, but I don't think that they're in the title race. Um, you know, Bowes fans might get a little bit annoyed about that. But I think, I think they have a way to go. They could still be in it, but right now I think it's just a European race. Um, it's just because of the way they started, but because everyone else has kind of stumbled along since. They've put themselves in a real good position, and like that was a massive, massive result against Bowles there. Uh, I mean, that Tyreek Wilson free kick as well was something special. Yeah, I, I wouldn't rule Bowles out. I mean, it, look, they've beaten Shamrock Rovers and they've beaten Pats, and they've been hammered by Sligo. So what, what result do you read into it? And they I hammered Jordan as well. Yeah, they're, they're eight points. I'm looking at the table as well, Paul. I mean, no, do I think Bowles will win the title? No, I don't. But I, I was listening to Johnny Ward on the radio a couple of weeks ago, and he came up with this mad bet and boast for the title of 33 to 1. 33 to 1. And I laughed and I thought, you know something? It's not a bad bet at 33 to 1 because they did make a bad start and they have really rebounded. And uh, I think there was another stat if you took the league table from the the first 85 minutes of games. Now, I know games are played over 90 minutes, but Bowes with something being top and quite a few points clear of Rovers. So, um, and and they are they have found form, uh, leaving that result in Sligo aside. Um, so, I, I, don't, I, I don't think they'll win the league. I think eight points is a lot to make up and the fact that they have three teams ahead of them. It's not just that they're chasing down Shamrock Rovers. I mean, Sligo Rovers, I think there's one goal in it on the top on goal difference. Uh, and they've also got to catch Pats. So, it's a big ask and I don't think Bowes will do it. If you're, if you're putting, asking me to put any money on it, I probably wouldn't. But I wouldn't quite rule them out just yet. And... Uh, well, you're basically so backing up what I'm saying, but in a nice way. Uh, I don't know, Paul. I, 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 still think, <laughs> I still think they're in it. I, I'm, I, I'm not ruling them out because I still think there's a chance. And I'm sure those Bose fans will be feeling they, they have a chance. Now, funnily enough, we're talking about Rovers and Europe derailing them. It, it, it could be an issue for Bose as well um, if they were to go on a run in Europe. Because it is you, Europe is tough. You're playing midweek and... Uh, then probably having to play again on a Sunday or else your fixtures are backing up if you get your games postponed. Uh, it does have an effect. So um, I think Shamrock Rovers would certainly have liked to have a cushion at the top, which they obviously don't have. The only advantage for them is that Sligo Rovers and, and Bowes are also in Europe, but then Pats aren't. So maybe it's an advantage to Pats. But um, it'll 
it'll be interesting. And I, I'm just delighted we do have a title race. But I, 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 I still think uh, Bowes are, are definitely in it. And I think any of the top four are, are capable of going on a, a run of wins, which will be interesting. I, I would definitely rule Drogheda out, even though they're only a point behind Bowes. I, I, I think Drogheda are doing incredibly well to be where they are. And I wouldn't totally rule them out of Europe, but they've they've they're on a fantastic run to be in fifth place. When I think most people expected them to be hoping to to make the relegation playoff. Yeah, well, I think you know just on that, like I think with Drogheda, I don't think they were ever thinking we were going to win the league or whatever. They're just thinking get as many points as possible and safety first, and anything after that yeah. is a bonus. And same thing with Finn Harps as well. I think that's the same. Obviously, they got a three-one win over Finn Harps, and kind of Finn Harps are kind of up and down still, but I still think they're in a good position in terms of, um, you know, staying up. I, I don't see. I think Longford and. Uh, and Waterford are in a much worse position than them, you know. Uh, obviously, they're they had a great start. I mean, they're down to eight now, but they're seven points clear of Waterford, and Waterford are starting to kind of break away a little bit. I know they lost against Derry, but yeah, I mean, they're four points ahead of Longford now, and uh, not that long ago, you know, before Mark Bertram came in, it was a case where it looked like Waterford weren't going to win a game. In fairness to Mark Bertram, he's done a really good job to kind of get them going again. Um, but uh, Longford, I think, over the course of the season, you know, I think now we're kind of seeing that they're going to struggle a that bit more. And in saying that, Darrell Doyle did say originally when they came up that they probably weren't ready to come up. Or I don't think he, he wanted to go up so soon. Maybe, maybe it was a bit too soon because they don't have that many players that are experienced in the Premier Division, you know. Yeah, I think it's going to be very tough from Longford. I mean, they haven't won now since the opening day of the season. And uh, so that would be 18 matches now without a win. And it, it is going to be very tough. Waterford have picked up that couple of wins, as you said. I think Finn Harps are going to be looking over their shoulder because they've they've gone a few games now without a win as well. And they have been slipping down the table. Now, seven points is a nice cushion to have. And if they were to put a couple of wins together, it would certainly help. But um, losing to Drogheda, failing to beat Longford... Um, Still picked up a point, I know. I think they'll be looking over their shoulder just a little bit and could be a bit concerned because Waterford sounds like they'll have a little bit of money to spend in the window, might bring in a player or two. And I'm sure Waterford will be targeting Finn Harps. And uh, it's, I don't think the relegation issue is done and dusted yet. I, I think Finn Harps yeah. still have a little bit of, little bit of worrying to do. I, I would be a little bit concerned about Finn Harps, but I, Ultimately, I think they're okay because I think Ollie Horgan and Paul Hegarty do a fantastic job there, and they, that seven-point lead is, is is crucial and it will help. And they have a bit of an advantage in goal difference as well. I think it's a fourteen-goal difference. So uh, with Waterford, so that could help. And that seven-nil when you go back a, a few weeks ago may uh, ultimately be very costly. Yeah, I think with Derry as well. Just you know, they seem to be a breakaway. You know, getting results again. And they just seem to be kind of coasting along now. I think they'll be looking to add maybe in the transfer market now. Rory Higgins will probably be looking to get some of his own signings in to work at what he already has there and kind of see where they can go from there, you know? Yeah, I think Derry are probably comfortable mid-table. Uh, a few weeks ago, you might have been a bit concerned about them being sucked into the relegation battle. It's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. If they were to go on a run, they might still get Europe. 
I, I think it's probably too big an ask. I think the issue for the clubs chasing Europe is the target is probably Bohemians. But I, I think Bows are really good, and I think Bows are going to probably do better over the second half of the season, even than some of the sides above them, which makes it much harder for the likes of Derry or Dundalk, uh, or even Drogheda, who are, I know, just a point behind. But uh, so I, I think uh, it's going. And, and I, of course, I'm always assuming when I say Europe and fourth place, th that would mean the FEI Cup winners would have to come from the, the top four as well. So yeah. uh, assuming that does happen, but maybe Derry or Dundalk's best hope of Europe now is to win the FEI Cup uh, because otherwise it's looking like mid-table. Uh, I, I don't see either of them being sucked into the, the relegation battle. And, and likewise with Drogheda, they've got the, those extra few points ahead. And they're they're almost safe as it is, so um, I, I, mid-table mediocrity beckons. Which, uh, well, for Drogheda fans, I'm sure they'll be delighted. Maybe with slight hopes of Europe. Maybe they can go on a cup run as well. Uh, Derry and Dundalk may be a little disappointing with uh, mid-table mediocrity, but um, that's what it's looking like very much so. Yeah, well, I think we'll, we'll we'll move on to the clubs in Europe and we'll just kind of run through. Obviously, Shamrock Rovers are taking on Slovan, Bratislava. We'll have the interviews with Richie and Stephen after we talk about the other clubs. Then you have uh, Dundalk. So, yeah, Dundalk are up against Newtown of Wales, who I believe are having some COVID issues at the moment as well. Um, even without the COVID issues, I would still expect Dundalk to have too much uh, for the Welsh side. Um, really... They should be beating teams like that. Dundalk are the seeded team, and I would expect them to win comfortably over two legs. We've had a couple of disasters in our league against Welsh sides over the years. Um, I know Longford will have absolute nightmares. Um, they're two 0 up going to Wales, and they got a, they even got the away goal over there, and still managed to lose the tie. Uh, an absolute nightmare. And, and I remember going to see Bowes playing TNS at Daly Mount Park. And it was one nil going on about ten, and I said, and I think the only thing I remember coming out of Daly Mount Park is I don't know how Bowes didn't get ten. Paddy Madden didn't miss sitters, and uh, I said the only good thing is Bowes will surely go and win the return and help the coefficient. And somehow they went and lost. I think it was four nil to TNS. I think there may have been other issues surrounding that game that I probably wouldn't get into. But um, certainly there were a couple of uh, embarrassing results for the league. But having said that. I mean, Bowes have gone to, to Wales, Derry have gone to Wales. Uh, I think Derry had a record away win for, for our league, um, a record aggregate win. There's been some very impressive wins. I remember Cork beating Combran way back in the first meeting between our leagues. I do expect Dundalk to win. They should win comfortably over the two legs and progress to the next round. Uh, so that's in Oriel Park on Thursday um, with a, a very limited number of fans. So we've got Bowes and Sligo both playing in Iceland on Thursday evening. Um, up against teams uh, that aren't exactly setting the house on fire in the Icelandic league, uh, Sligo Rovers are up against FH from Harnafrojor. I think that's how you pronounce it, but they're, they're known okay. as FH. Any, they're known as FH, which is, so if you don't want to try and get your tongue around it, uh, calling them FH is actually the correct name anyway. And, uh, so FH, I, I, I can say that. FH, you can say that one. <laughs> so uh, I'm quite... I mean, both the Icelandic clubs are, are seeded. But if you're looking at the league tables, neither have impressed too much. And uh, both Sligo Rovers and Bows are flying. 
Uh, Bowes are playing Stjarnan. And uh, I expect both our clubs in Iceland to give a very good account of themselves. And I'd be quite hopeful that uh, at least one, if not both of them, can get through. Um, big one then, of course, that Bowes have got 6,000 uh, and, and sold it out uh, in the Aviva for the return leg. It sold out in a few hours, I believe. And uh, yeah. th that's fantastic to see. And it's going to be great for the... Look, Bowes have been on a... Long before COVID, they've been on a fantastic run with Keith Long. Their support base, support base have been increasing, memberships increasing, season ticket holders, etc. And uh, it's going to be the biggest crowd uh, at an Irish football match here uh, since since COVID. It's going to be fantastic to see, and uh, hopefully they'll get the roar bows on into the next round. And uh, but first up on Thursday is the away leg, and hopefully they can get a good result. And uh, I can only imagine, I don't know what the limit for the attendance is in the showgrounds for the, the Sligo game, but it's uh, there must be some scramble for tickets for that game as well. And uh, I really hope Sligo can do the business as well. Yeah, I'll be hoping that all the, all the Irish clubs uh, can do a job. I know there's fans out there that of rival clubs that hate when people say that, but I suppose for us, like we want to see it, considering we obviously cover Irish football and you know any sort of good result for Irish football is good for us, uh, in my opinion. Um, but we haven't really spoken about Shamrock Rovers and Slovan Bratislav because I had spoken earlier today with Richie Tell and Stephen Bally, so you can hear that here. This is the IFF TV Podcast. Delighted to be joined by Shamrock Rovers new signing as of 1st of July, Richie Tell. Richie, firstly, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, Paul. I'm good. Really good to be home, so I'm excited for the, for the new challenge. Yeah, I think around this time last year, we had you on the podcast and we kind of, um, you were with Salford and stuff like that. Um, you were speaking about, you know, wanting to get promoted, all that type of stuff. It's been a bit of a mad year in, in total. I don't think anyone could have really, really kind of put into perspective the last year, but how has it been for you? And obviously then, signing on from that last year was frustrating for me personally obviously I fractured my fibula twice which was really frustrating so I missed a, a good chunk of the season I got COVID as well so I missed about two weeks or that um, now I was fine when I had it there was no problem I was all good but I missed a lot of games last year which was really frustrating so um, obviously we missed out on promotion which was uh, frustrating as well but we had a little sweetener we won at Wembley uh, we beat Portsmouth um, so that was that was nice, obviously, to win at Wembley again, um, and then obviously signing here that that kind of made the year a little bit better because I was excited to come home. Yeah, I suppose in that way it was kind of a good send off for you for the Salford fans to kind of leave at least with a trophy. Yeah, of course, that's what I would, any club with Ben Apple, um I've been lucky that I've been successful. So I was thinking that when we weren't going to get promoted, that I was going to leave and, and I wasn't going to have anything. I saw football. Luckily enough, we won at Wembley, and it was a great day for for our families and uh, for the fans and, and for the owners as well. Yeah, I remember on the podcast we were talking kind of about, you know, obviously with your what, your, uh, your wife yet? Not yet. Not yet. It's, no. it's been wedding's been cancelled twice, so hopefully next year we can we can we can get tied enough. Yeah, well, I remember you speaking about kind of being back and forth between Dublin and Manchester. Now you're actually home. How nice is it to be home? Yeah, you've been back probably about a month before you actually signed, weren't you? Yeah, it's been amazing. Um, not just for me, but for my two kids and, and for my partner as well. Like, when I'm over there, I'm, I'm just in football mode, so I just get the head down and I just do what I have to do. But 
when I see my partner and my kids and they're missing missing family and missing their, their cousins and their friends and stuff like that, it's it's hard it is, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, the family has to come first, Paul, you know? So um, when I see them and, and they're a little bit upset by not able to see their nanas and granddads and stuff like that, it's uh, it's hard it is, but um, we're home now and, and they're delighted. I think, I think they're even more happier than me, to be back, to be honest. Well, I've seen, I've seen a lot of the stuff you've been doing, obviously, um, you know, in the gym and stuff like that, you're building yourself up. You played your first game on Friday. How nice was to actually be back playing in Dublin? Yeah, it was brilliant, and especially with the fans there as well. Though I know there was only a 1,000, but I felt like there was a lot more there. Um, they were noisy, they got behind us. Even even when we went 1-0 behind, they, they really got behind us, which was which was great, and it was what we needed as well, you know, because I think you see the performance then. I think it's probably the best we've played in the world, so... It was great to get the three points, um, especially against some doctor. They're, they're top side. They have some really good individual players, so we knew it was going to be tough, and it was it was just great to get the win. And just fitness-wise, how are you feeling? I mean, you look the part, but are you, are you feeling it when you're actually out there running? No, I feel good running. It's just, I think, the little bit of sharpness will come. Um, I was a bit disappointed on Friday, to be honest. Uh, I wasn't where I want to be. People are saying, don't be too hard on yourself on that, but I'm the hardest critic on myself, I am, so... I know there's a lot lot more for me to come, you know, I think in the next week or two, I think you'll see the best of me. But. Okay, and just, you know, obviously the big one now is, is this Champions League game against Slovan Bratislava. What, what do you know about them and, and how much are you looking forward to? They're a good side. We've done some video stuff on them yesterday. They look like a, a really top side, really well organised. They press hard, they keep the ball. So they look they look a real threat, they do. So we know we're going to have to be on our A game if we... If we want to progress and, and go through the toy, so um, we need to be really clever on what we do over there. Um, press at the right moments, and I'm sure the gaffer he has a he has a good game plan, and, and we'll be ready for it. Yeah, obviously you have European experience yourself. Obviously with Dundalk, and you know you might take a bit of uh, inspiration from what they did last season, kind of into this game. I, I suppose as well the added experience of playing AC Milan with most of the other lads as well. So I mean, I, I expect it to be tight enough. Yeah, that's why we're going out and we're full of confidence. We know we're realistic as well. We know they're a top side, but we know we're gonna we're gonna need eleven men that are at it, and we know that we're gonna need the lads on the bench to be ready to come on as well. So it's gonna be a whole group effort. It is. Um, so it's something that we're we're really looking forward to, and something that we're ready for as well. And just with this group, obviously you played in and around the league, and you've been over to England and back. How impressed have you been with the, I suppose, the setup and you know the squad itself? Is a really talented bunch there. Yeah, the, the setup here. I think you can see it yourself. It's it's amazing and. The group of lads that we have are, are really good, hard-working, professional lads and we have a lot of talented players as well, we do. So when you mix that hard-working talent together, it's it's a recipe for good things. Um, obviously, we have a manager and coaching staff that are very driven as well. So we're lucky to have um, people behind us pushing us on every single day. Absolutely. Well, listen, I want to wish you the best of luck and hopefully get the result that you deserve. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. This is the IFF TV Podcast. Stephen, how are you feeling? There's a bit of a buzz around the place now. You've just got that win on Friday. Um, I suppose it was a big win in terms of mentality. You've got Richie back now in the squad. You feeling optimistic? Yeah, uh, we're feeling excited. Um, looking forward to it. Difficult game. They're a good side, very good side. Uh, but uh, we're in a good place and, and it's a game we're looking forward to. Just in terms of, you know, people were saying this and that, you know, the title race, this and that, Shamrock Rover, the falling off a cliff. Has it just been a case of of injuries, you know, mounting and mounting and mounting, you know, because I've been at some of your games and it, it does look like there's a lot of shortage of players that you'd normally have at your disposal. 
Yeah, there's no getting away from. We had a four or five week period that we were missing six or seven key key players, but that happens in football. That's you have to accept that and, and move on. Um, we we don't listen to the noise that's outside. Uh, we know where we are and we're here for a reason. We're, we're a good group, uh, a very strong group together. Um, the performances have been good. Uh, there's been games we lost recently that we should win, um, but we haven't. And you have to accept that and move on, learn from it. Uh, but I thought on Friday we showed uh, performance and got the result. Uh, but like I said, we we, we don't listen to, to any any noise outside. Um, people always try and create something around this club, and uh, that's what comes with being a Shamrock Rovers. And, and you have to accept that and understand that. And to be fair to this group, uh, they do. They, they they're fine. Just you know, obviously on Friday night you've goals coming from anywhere. You have two fullbacks scoring goals or wingbacks. Um, you know how important is that now? That, you know for the rest of the season because I remember you were struggling for a little bit, just maybe up top. And obviously Aaron Green got the the vital goal at the end there to make a three-one. Yeah, we've always had the mindset that it's not about relying on one player. We've always had that. Um, it's interesting when you're winning, no one no one talks about where the goals come from. Uh, when you're not winning, everyone wants to have a go at everything. Um, again, it doesn't it doesn't interest, it doesn't bother us. We. We we know what we do. Uh, we're comfortable in what we do, and and uh, we just need to keep trusting what we do. And um, we know over a long period of time that it works, and and uh, and if we just keep trusting, it, keep working hard, keep focused, uh, we'd be fine. How important is it to have someone like Richie in, in amongst the group? You know, a proven winner. He's he's won pretty much everywhere he's been. Um, he has European experience as well coming into this. You have the experience as well as AC Milan and the other games, obviously the penalty shootout that was never ending um, as well. So I suppose you must be going into this quite optimistic. Yeah, it's great to have Richie. We have real experience in the group. They've played a lot of European games together now the last few years. So uh, they know what it's about. They know what to, to expect on Wednesday night. Uh, like I said, we know these are a very, very good side. Uh, have dominated Slovakian football for quite some time. Uh, they have real quality. Uh, we understand that and we have to respect that. But uh, like I said, uh, we're comfortable that uh, we've been together for quite some time and we've a lot of experience in these situations. So uh, we're looking forward to. Can you take, I suppose, a bit of inspiration? In, you know, Dundalk's European run last year. You know, because I think grown in the last couple of years I think Irish clubs have done quite well in Europe and uh, you know it looked good and a match for most teams in the European competition. Yeah, I think um, Irish clubs in general have come on so much in the last 10 years in terms of uh, every aspect. Uh, fitness levels are, are a major part of this, this type of game and, and uh, I think we're on a par now with, with, with most of Europe so I don't, I don't see any of that being an issue. Um, we, but again, we need to focus on, forget about uh, past results for, for our club and other clubs, we need to focus on uh, these next two games focus on on uh, what these do really well and, and make sure we're ready for that. Yeah, obviously the away goal out of the equation now. That's I suppose a big factor I, in many ways. I, I don't like that decision. How how do you kind of feel about it? Yeah, I'd be with you. I don't like it. I think it was really really good. Um, it, it made away teams go away and, and really play for a goal. Um, and that could uh, that could completely change now. You, you could get teams going away and. And have uh, no interest in attacking at all because obviously the way goal being scrapped. So on with you, I don't agree with it. But um, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do. Well, hopefully you won't need any away goals and you get the job done. So I just want to wish you the best of luck and so stay floating and everything else. Right? Very, very, very optimistic. Obviously, um, they take on Slovan Bratislava on Wednesday in the Champions League uh, qualifying round first leg. Uh, they're away toy, obviously. Then they'll play next week. 
in the home fixture. Hoping, hopefully they can get a decent result there. But we're moving on to the first division and um, yeah, some some mad results. Uh, <laughs> you know, four four between Wexford and Atlone. Atlone getting the late uh, equaliser through. Adam Wickstead, um, then the other results, I suppose, around the league, obviously, 3D United getting a 3-2 win over Cork City, which I'm sure you're delighted about. Uh, Galway beating UCD 2-0, um, and Shells uh, winning 1-0, Bray beating Cove 2-1. Now, obviously, Shells are, are still quite a bit ahead at the top of the league, 36 points. Um, next in line there is obviously Galway United on 25 points at their level with 3D United. Um, it seems to be level on all aspects there, uh, goal difference and everything. So your joint second, Treaty United. Um, the rest of the team's kind of fallen away a little bit, you would say. Um, especially Athlone, considering their good start. Uh, Bray are kind of hovering where they were. Cabotelli up and down, mixed. Um, again, I'll, I'll kind of touch on that game because I was at it. And uh, yeah, I suppose Cove, Cork. Uh, Cove are doing well to stay above Cork City. Um, Wexford are kind of... Just hovering around the bottom there, not really getting the results that they probably want. But in retrospect, you look at the squads in comparison to others, they are a very uh, young squad, I think. But uh, I suppose, did you get a chance to see the Treaty and Cork game? Yeah, so I, I, I got a chance to, to, to look at somebody, somebody on the stream. And uh, it was... It was a huge win, and I, I think it's important. I, 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 you can see my interview with Tommy later on, but Treaty did bounce back from the three defeats this season. They've bounced back with three very good wins. Um, perhaps a little bit fortunate. Cork will consider themselves uh, a little bit unfortunate. They've taken something out of the game, but uh, Treaty bounced back from very well from being 2-1 down at half time and, and showed great character to go on and, and win the game. And it's it's just been a, a surprise how well they've done. And I mean, we touched on that in the interview with Tommy that the squad was cobbled together at the start of the season, probably weren't even fully fit, and just managed to dig out results and stay in contention uh, against sides that have far bigger budgets. I mean, you mentioned Shells, and, and Shells are on a fantastic run. I think since they drew with Treaty, they've won the last eight games. Uh, Galway have now strung four or five wins on the bounce as well. Again, a full-time professional outfit, a uh, big-budget side. Uh, Bray have a, a big-budget Cork. I mean, if you double Cork's points tally, you still wouldn't have Treaty's points tally, and Cork, again, have a, a much bigger budget. And uh, so... Obviously, with my Limerick bias, but I'm absolutely delighted with the way Treaty are, are playing and performing. And uh, I think in only only in alphabetical order, are Galway ahead ahead in the league table. Um, I don't know what would happen if this. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, if you look at the league table, Treaty are in third. But if it's, um, I think Tommy reckoned it's alphabetical order. I don't know. Maybe there's something on disciplinary issues, but uh, everything else is absolutely. Is absolutely level. So I don't know what would happen if this if it finished like this at the end of the season. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, it is a case of taking it game game by game, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to Friday night and uh, hopefully another chance to to get a result against Shells. But the Shells have been without doubt the best team in the division. I, 
the league probably is is over. It's very hard to see anybody catching them. Uh, possibly Galway, but I think their start uh, is going is going to go against them. Uh, they may well uh, certainly if Treaty were close this close to Galway at the end of the season, I'd be very very happy and very confident that we'd be in second or third place because. Uh, with Galway, the squad of players they have, and they're even bringing in a couple of players as well, that they have the the ability to push on and uh, probably consolidate second place. But I'd be delighted if Treaty can can make the playoffs. I think it would be some achievement. Uh, even at the start of the year, I was delighted to, to get have a team back in, in Limerick. And uh, the, the performances and the results uh, have just been superb. And uh, just, I think it's a question of keeping it up. And then, not even with all of that, it, it, Tommy's been so unlucky with injuries and so many crucial players have been missing for so many key games. So it's um, it's just testament to the job he's done as a manager and the way the players have bonded together and really playing for each other. And uh, it, it's really great to see. And... Uh, I just wish we could have a lot more fans in the ground to to support the team. But as Tommy said, they're getting fantastic support on social media and it's really getting through to the players and they do appreciate that. Yeah, no, I think it's it's amazing the job he's done, to be fair, and and how well Treaty are doing in the league. You mentioned, and you've said it several times about the team cobbled together at the start. Um, you know, I think with a couple of days ahead of the transfer window, really, um, but yeah, they've, they've been flying and, and credit to them. You, you said Shells have been the best team. The performances have really showed that. Again, I, I remember the game I spoke about with Shells and Wexford earlier on the season and Wexford had to put the ball in the net for Shells because they couldn't score. The same thing happened against Cabo the other night. Like it, it was in the 90th minute. It looked like it was going to be a nil-nil draw. Um, before the game, uh, you know, Shells probably would have would have taken that because Cabo have been a bogey team over the recent years. Um, and and if you're kind of looking at it, it, it did look like it was going to be. I remember I tweeted at the time. I said uh, it, it looks like it's going to end in a nil-all draw, but you never know in football. And literally after I put that tweet out, bang, Kevin O'Connor hits in a free kick, and uh, one of the Cabin TD defenders gets up to head it. It kind of hits the back of his head. It comes over Halwax, who came out to, to to gather it, went over him and straight into the back of the net, and and then Shells go on to win the game. Quite luckily, in my opinion, um, it could have went either way in that game, but like it was, it did. A nil-nil draw would have been a fair result, if I'm being honest. There wasn't that many clear-cut chances or anything like that. Shells really uh, had luck on their side, and um, I do agree. In some sense, Shells have the best squad in the league. I think that's fair to say. I think if you look in. Um, the positions the Shells had, a lot of them players would probably get into Premier Division teams as well. So I think Shells would just be looking to get the job done as soon as possible, get themselves back up to the Premier Division. Obviously harshly relegated, I suppose, if you look at the last number of games, they're probably rightly relegated, but um, it didn't look like before COVID that they were going to be relegated. And um, they bounced back really well this season, still unbeaten. And uh, so I probably sound a bit critical considering I'm a Shells fan myself, but uh, we're still unbeaten. But I just think we could be we could be doing better in terms of performances. But look, we're still winning games. It's still it's still three points. You can't knock it. It's uh, another win on under the belt and still stretching the lead ahead of the top. So 
yeah, I think Shells uh, will get up as soon as possible. And yeah, I suppose that's really it in, in, in terms of that. I mean, everything else has kind of stayed similar enough. UCD have kind of dropped off a little bit, and you've kind of mentioned Galway there. But I suppose we'll get straight into your interview with Tommy Barrett. Uh, this is the IFF TV podcast. It's me, Gary Spain, with Treaty United manager Tommy Barrett. In some ways, uh, Treaty have been the story of the season so far. And uh, just want to chat to Tommy and uh, get his thoughts on the season. So how are you doing today, Tommy? Great, Gary. Yeah, glad to see you showing your Limerick bias there. I love that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's, not, there's not enough of us around. Uh, no, yeah, great, Gary. <laughs> So can I just, uh, as as any regular watchers to the fans know or to the channel know, I'm a big, um, I'm a Limerick man and a big Treaty United fan, and have been following local football since I was four years of age, which wasn't today or yesterday. And <laughs> I can well remember Tommy's playing days, not to mind um, his managerial days. But uh, Tommy, can I take you back to the, basically back to last February? because Treaty were only got a place in the league a couple of weeks before the season started. And uh, it must have been a nightmare for you trying to pull the squad together. And, and how did you do it and what happened? Yeah, look, I suppose we we were in a bit of contact with, with players, you know, thinking we might get a licence, you know, probably a month or so beforehand. But, you know, we lost out on some players as well because when they were ringing me, they were going to sign with other clubs. And I was like, well, yeah, you have to sign with other club because we didn't know whether we wanted to get a licence or not. And we got them. Um, <clears throat> so we lost a lot of players there, you know, to all the other clubs, particularly in the first division. Um, but... You know, there were still a few lads um, floating around that I'd said, you know, we're talking about going playing junior. And I said, look, can you give us a week or a two or, and we see what we can do? And, you know, the, the FEI still hadn't made a decision on the licensing. And I think it was the 21st or 22nd of February. I think it was a Sunday. Um, we were told that we were in and we had to have the players uh, registered by the 25th, I think, which was a Thursday. Or I can't remember exactly now. Uh, it was Wednesday or Thursday. So it was like, you know, that was three or four weeks to the start of the season, kick off. You know, we got the lads in the Tuesday night. We got 40-odd players in. Um, and, you know, lads that had contacted, you know, when they heard that treaty were going to be in. And, like, I could only go with lads I knew or, you know, knew of um, and knew they were good lads. So we signed 25 lads. And, um, as I said, we, we signed primarily, you know, from Limerick in the region. But, you know, there was some lads that came down from Galway, as we know as well, that, you know, would have, known from managing against and, you know, players that I would have coached under 19. And they were a couple of them were with Galway and they knew these lads were good lads as well. So we went with those and and we were delighted to get the lads signed. And we had those 25 then training on the Thursday night and we organised a friendly quickly for, I think it was the following Monday or it might have been the Monday after for Waterford. And, you know, we, we, we took it from there and we, we got to, in fairness, that loan, they gave us two friendlies as well, home and away. And, that was the start of the season then after that, you know, so we were we were right into it. Um, you know, we three quick friendlies and then we'd bray away and we, we just said we'd dig in and, you know, we, we, we did dig in and we got a nil-all draw and it was conditions suited us. It was, a, it was a windy day up there in, in, in Bray and, you know, they couldn't break us down and we kind of stayed like that for the first few games because we were still building our fitness and, you know, uh, I said that built confidence, you know, that we... We stayed unbeaten for a while, and, and that was it about. We didn't play, play anything 
particular good brand of football by any means or anything like that. But, you know, I think four or five games in, we started to play a bit and, you know, the conference was built and the lads have been excellent, you know, with their attitude and application. Yeah, you mentioned the, the region because um, it's it's the first time in certainly over 50 years following the uh, Limerick football that the whole of the Midwest seems to be represented because you have obviously lads from Limerick City and a few from the county but you've Kerry, Tipperary, Clare, you mentioned Galway, you have a couple of Cork lads as well. And uh, if anything, Trinity very much, and, and I see it in the the, the, the club as well, it, it, it very much emphasises the Midwest region. Uh, is that something you're conscious of in the squad, or how does that work? Yeah, I was conscious of that. And in fairness, you know, Con Murray and the board uh, were conscious of that as well. They wanted it to be a, a club for the region. And, you know, in the last few years with, with Limerick FC previously, it definitely had been a regional club as well with a lot of, you know, in fairness, I think there was a lot of fans and stuff from, from North Kerry in particular and, you know, Clare and um, uh, Tipperary, but particularly North Tipperary. So, you know, we, we've kind of built the, that fan base uh, for senior soccer around the last number of years, and they've kind of come over to Treaty now as well, along with the Limerick fan, the Limerick County and City people. So, um, <clears throat> but I definitely was conscious of it. But the players are there, Gary, as well, you know. Um, you know, Clare have been producing a few players in the last few years and, and tipped the same. And, you know, the, the the coaching standards and the playing standards have gone up in those areas. Um, and, and down in Kerry the last few years, they have uh, League of Ireland teams as well. And, you know, Matt Keane would have been with me before at, at under-19 level. Um, and uh, Shane Louth as well, who we signed. And the two lads from Cork, I knew, I knew Charlie Fleming from... He, he was on trial with Limerick a few years back and... And Anto Donald played with Limerick under 20. So, you know, again, it was mostly lads we knew. And it's just the way, like, um, Mark Walsh, you know, and uh, Sean Gearns were two lads that I played with in that loan, actually. You know, Mike Curley had them up there in that loan. They were only 18 and and 17, I think, at the time. And they kind of played junior soccer. Um, Sean Gearns, you know, quite successfully with, with St. Michael's and one FEIs. But I suppose Mark Walsh would have went under the radar because he was with Nina Celtic. You know, which wouldn't be, you know, Nina Town would have been the stronger Nina out there, and Nina Celtic would be, you know, they, they wouldn't have been as strong as the town, I suppose. And he was kind of, you know, um, Mark always kept himself well, and he 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 was playing away with his home club. So it just goes to show lads can 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 make the jump as well back in, you know. So, um, you know, and obviously then we have the other lads from Clare. So it's a good mix, you know. It's a great mix. Um, you know, across all the counties and all social classes as well involved, and it's it, they're a great bunch of lads, and uh, and they're doing great, and they've become really good friends now as well, which is great. To see, yeah, you mentioned they're a great bunch of lads, and one of the <coughs> things I find that it's so obvious from, and I'm being privileged to be at the games and watching the games, is the to, to togetherness and the camaraderie in the squad that you can see they're all wishing each other well. There's nobody moaning about being, or if, if they are, it's not very obvious, moaning about being out of the team. They're all supporting each other. And uh, you've really built a great team spirit. Is there any secret to that, or how how did that come about, particularly when the squad was pulled together at the last minute? Yeah, look, I, t I think, you know, you just, like, we... We 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 it's hard to do team bonding or team building or anything like that in in the um 
you know, because of COVID and stuff like that. So we just tried to make the sessions as fun as possible. You know, Mike McCarthy, he'd be very good at stuff, you know, having a bit of banter with the lads as well. And I would myself starting out in, in, in the pre-season. That's important that we have fun in every training session. And, and to build that team spirit, I think, is important. You know, Mike would have a story of the day and have a bit of crack with the lads before the, the session and, and just probably, you know, um, make fun and make fun of ourselves and have fun with them and, and just build that and, and make it fun. I think Gary is important because at the end of the day, it's still a game, you know, and, and we forget that at times because, you know, we want to win and it's about results. But certainly we took that approach um, early on to get them, uh, to get the lads to know each other a bit better and, and, and had to have a bit of crack and banter. And I think that builds spirit. And then, of course, look, results build it as well. You know, when they're in the trenches together, particularly up in, in Bray, um, and you build that kind of mentality just to hang in there, as we said in the first game, and 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 getting points on board builds confidence, and everyone is happy then um, when it goes down. But look, we have a few good characters as well in the squad. You know, we have a few jokers and a, and a few lads that kind of bring together, like Kieran Hanlon. In fairness to him, you know, is um, he has the lads and he, he's keeping them check and he's finding them for for left, right, and centre for everything and, and those little things a bit of crack as well, you know. Um, so, uh, and there's other good lads, the boys from Cork um, and, and the Galway lads. It's a really good mix. Um, you know, Anto Dan is a bit of a character as well, and there's a bit of banter there. And, you know, the likes of Jack Lynch and Mark Ludden have that wit as well. So, there's a lot of witty lads there, and, and they're experienced lads as well. And they bring the, they, they're just good people, and they bring the young lads on and, and, and they show them how to be, to behave professionally. And, um, and I think the, the younger lads have, have kind of bought into that, so it's great. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the Bray game and the start of the season, and definitely it was a case of digging in, and uh, I suppose certainly for the last half an hour, kind of hanging on for the point with 10 men, but it was certainly a hugely impressive result against a Bray side that frankly would have expected, didn't they sh- perhaps should have won the league last year, they lost on the final day, Um they probably still fancy themselves to go up or they'll probably be at the playoffs now. But to start off with a draw there and then to go on and, and again beat Wexford with 10 men, draw with Cove, um, did it just go on a roll from with, there? With 10 men. There's a, there's a team there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it did. It did, Gary. Look, well, I suppose, look, again, you know, that probably even gave us more confidence, you know, that like we three games in a row with 10 men and we stayed unbeaten, you know, because we played, we probably played in those games, we probably played more with 10, with 10 men than we did 11, you know, if you, if you look at the numbers, you know, um, there were, the lads were sent off quite early. Um, harsh enough, you no, know, our Charlie's one maybe I felt uh, in, in, you know, in the, in the three, in the three, of the three sending offs, but, you know, it did. It does build confidence, and it gives you that bit more confidence because you know, if we can do that and get results with ten, you know, why can't we get them with eleven? And you know, I think it's it's proved that way since. But you know, look, we we we're not getting carried away either because there's a long way to go yet. And you know, we we've we've Shelburne coming up on Friday, and that's going to be a real big big game for us. You know, and after that, then you mean. I think we went away to Galway and I think everybody was expecting the first defeat, uh, full-time professional outfit. And you were seconds away from winning the game and probably one of the most gut-wrenching equalisers because it was probably totally undeserved as well. 
did, did that feel like a defeat rather than a, a point? Well, at the time, look, it probably did, and the lads were a bit upset about it, and you know, but look, we played Galway off the park that night. I felt, you know, we were that's when we really started to play. We played really good football, and you know, we good patterns of play. We 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 got the ball down and played, and um, you started seeing a bit of a rhythm about us, um, you know, and we. We probably should have been two up, you know, uh, at least. Uh, but look, you can't take your foot off the gas against them. You have to take your chances against a, a team like Galway. And yeah, it was, look, it, was a, it was a poor goal to concede. But, you know, we haven't conceded many poor goals. We probably conceded two we, uh, the other day against Cork. They were, we considered, a, you know, errors um, and lapses of concentration. And that's what happened that night. So I think in that one, you know, as we said, there was a, there was a few words in the dressing room players with each other and they were disappointed but you know I, we just said that um you know I particularly to say to the lads that we were we were very proud of the performance and you know we're, we're 30 seconds away you can go two ways in that situation you can drop your head or just take it as a valuable point and quite early we we said it was a valuable point even though I was good at myself but after about 30 seconds I'm saying well look it was a very good point because you know it kept us unbeaten and once you can keep that or ticking over, um, you know, Galway aren't getting two or three, or two, three, two or three points, uh, three points ahead of you, um, and you're taking a point off of uh, most teams in the first round. We would have been delighted, and so we were delighted to get the point. Yeah, and you responded very well then. Uh, big Munster derby the following week beat Cork in the Markets Field. Um, yeah, and look, great, we were, yeah. it was it was brilliant, and we were probably lucky against Cork. Like you know, it, it's the way it goes. You know, we. We, we probably should have beat Galway and then, you know, we got a bit of luck against um, against Cork. You know, we probably should have beat Cork be, be previous that way. But it seems to be like we're going, you know, winning games probably at, not at our best. And then when we were playing really well, we, we, we seem to be getting draws or, or, or defeats. So it's, it's, it's a funny old game at times, Gary. You know, I think some of the better games we played this year, we, we've... We've, um, well, not the Galway one, but certainly UCD, we were very, very good. And, you know, against Shelburne, we were very, very good. And Galway the first time, you know, there, there were games we probably should have won. Um, and we lost our drew. So, you know, there's other games that spring to mind that, that, um, we didn't play as well, like those two Cork games probably. And the, um, the Cove away, you know, in particular, uh, we, we probably won when we, when, we played a lot better previously and, and last or drew, you know. Yeah, and maybe another thing, go on then to, well, the Shelburne game was just totally topsy-turvy, winning in the 90th minute, losing in whatever, the 96th minute and equal and drawing it at the yeah. dead. Um, I, I don't know what to think after that, but certainly it was a, a fantastic performance. And, uh, it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's a really strong Shelburne team. Like we, I, t I felt in that game, you know, we could have been two up and you need to put, you know, you, you, I think McKean at the post and, you know, we had a few other chances, particularly from set pieces and we should have been two up at half time at least, I felt. And, uh, but you know, you know, shells are a very strong outfit and they were going to come back into it. And I thought we were going to get out, get away with it, you know, the 89th minute to score, I think, and then the 92nd minute as well or the 93rd minute, whatever it was. Um, but look, it probably worked out. It was probably better than the win uh, the way it worked out, you know, because uh, I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, it just built that belief again and that resilience um, that we can pull results out even in the night. It was the first time we were behind all season 
and we were only behind for two minutes in in the and in the ninety third minute, and we scored in the ninety sixth. So, um, it shows that the the lads have got character and and um, you know, and, and that's important in this division that you have to have that and you have to grind out results. And look, we 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 hope to continue to do that. Yeah, you mentioned the character because uh, following on from the Shelburne game was the the first defeat against UCD. And even with the other defeats as well, I'm really impressed with the characters every time you bounce back with a win. And uh, probably really impressive impressive wins. I mean, I think it was after UCD beat Athlone, uh, who were riding high at the time. Disappointing defeat against Kevin Teeley. Bounced straight back and, and beat Bray. A really, really impressive win. And uh, lose to Galway and, and come back and beat Cork. Uh, that must say something about the character of the team. Yeah, I think it does, Gary. Yeah, you know, and that that UCD game, as we said earlier, we probably should have won that. We were we were two up. We prob they probably should have got a man sent off. You know, um, at two up, I think it was. You know, we we spoke about that tackle, and you know, we've been on the receiving end of some some of those decisions. Unfortunately, this year, where you know we felt that you know players could have got sent off against us, and we we didn't we did we hadn't got that. But look, that's the way it is. That's it, it didn't work out for us, but. You know, we still hit the post, I think, in the 90th minute against UCD, and we, we could have came back and drew Trial, and we were fairly depleted that day as well with, with injuries. With You know, we, we were missing our two centre-halves, and Jack and Clyde, who normally played centre-mid, both played centre-half, and look, at no fault of theirs by any means, but it certainly weakens us in in um, in, in key positions uh, when players like that are missing, and, and the lads then are missing out of the centre-midfield, and they've been really good when they're in there. Um, but you know, both played. Um, both played in the next game. Our four lads played in the next game against uh, Lawn, and we won that game. And the two of them were very good in the centre mid. So you know, we we missed them in there. Um, and then uh, the Galway defeat. I think there was nothing in the Galway game. Like we were missing nine players, like probably five with sixteen in the squad that day. And to be honest, five five lads. You know, I don't want to be making excuses, but. You know, five of those lads would have started most of the games for us that we were missing. The midfield had never played together before. And, you know, we put it up to Galway without really, really ever threatening them uh, in the market's field. But they, you know, they got a good goal. It was a good headed finish, to be fair. But it was probably the only chance, the only clear chance in the game. And we didn't create more. We didn't create enough. Uh, and they got a few breakaways near the end. That was about it. Uh, but I thought we did really well considering um, and to bounce back against Cork, particularly in the manner we did because, you know, we were 2-1 down at half-time. We could have easily dropped the heads. And, um, oh, so I, I was particularly delighted with that win, to be honest. Yeah, you mentioned the injury situation because you've been, I think, really unlucky with so many injuries. And uh, as you said, so many of the starters, I, I, I think you can pretty much name everybody from Tiger Rining goal right up that's been out for some period of time. Uh Mark Walsh was probably the standout performer, and he he got injured against Shelburne, and he I know he came off the bench, so hopefully he's back, he'll be back fully fit now. But uh, Sean McSweeney seems to be out, I think at least for another few weeks. Um, Clyde, Jack Lynch, um, Sean Gill, Dean George, you know, yeah. Dean George Dean has George. hardly uh, <laughs> has hardly been available as well. 
Um, Conomelli and Joel, Joel constrained us. Joel constrained us. Same, you know, we haven't yeah. seen Conomelli and Joel has been in and out, you know, with the hamstring injury. So yeah, it's we've, you know, that's all those as you've mentioned there, as we said, could start at any time. You know, they're they're certainly a big part of our our squad. And um, yeah, but look, the lads who've come in have done very well, you know, and it's a chance for them. It's an opportunity, like Joe Collins, for example, like Joe played against Cove and Galloway previous to Cork and I, I left him out. You know, it was a tough decision to leave him out, but, you know, I felt we'd be, we'd be physically stronger in there with the lads that we picked um, and, and, and more solid and, and Joe just accepted it. And, you know, I, I said, look, keep your head up. You know, you're going to get on and he came on and scored. So we're just trying to keep him as positive as possible. It's the game. It's the modern game. The lads are going to, get injured, they're going to be there and that's what we have a squad for. Now, look, you, you have probably a lot and the lads, I think in, in the modern game, Gary, we have a lot of lads that will probably start games and, you know, can you make five changes now as well and, you know, the, we, the way we play, a lot of the lads kind of run themselves into the ground for like 60, 70 minutes and then when the game opens up, we can bring on the lads like Willie Armshaw and, and Joe Collins who can, who can see things and, and, and are good finishers and, you know, Willie's look like scoring in every game he's came, come on, you know. I know he scored one, but even against Cork the other night, he had an opportunity and he, he tested uh, Mark McNulty in a game where, you know, we, we hadn't got a lot of um, shots off. And so, and it was, I think it was the same even against uh, Cove away. He created the goal when he came on. So I think there's, it's a bit like the hurling at the moment, you know. It's, uh, maybe we're getting a bit from that, but there's, there's, there's starters and, and sometimes there's finishers, you know. And, you know, you know sometimes lads mightn't like to hear that, but, you know, when the game opens up, it does suit uh, a certain style of player um, as well. And, and at the moment, we have some very good players that can come on and finish games. So I'm happy with the way it's going. And, you know, they should be happy too and, and proud of that fact. Not saying that they won't start. We started Matt McKevin in, in the last few games. But certainly, those type of players, when the game opens up and, and they're good in, in big spaces, um, and the likes of Willie and that, and, and, and the, the wide attacking players. So we've used them quite well, I think. You mentioned the big spaces. Does the markets field suit you like that? The big, big, excellent playing surface and wide open spaces. <clears throat> yeah, well, at the start of the year we were a bit iffy, like you know, because we, we're saying, you know, we're 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 we are, um, will we bring it in? You know, will we make it as small as possible? But <laughs> you know, because you know, you're thinking like that because you you have to stay in games and and try win games and try get results on the board. But we 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 felt that we probably wrongly at the time that we wouldn't make it too tight because we felt the, uh, we had a lot of young lads and, you know, they mightn't be ready for a, a, a scrap and the rough and tumble of the first division. And, you know, would we be physical enough in, in a tight pitch? So maybe we needed a bit of space, you know, um, and to get the lads up to fitness. We knew, like, no one came back in awful shape by any means, you know. Um, we got we got everyone fairly fit, fairly quick because uh, they were in okay shape, to be fair. Most of the lads kept themselves well. Um, you know, obviously, bar the, the obvious one or two where we had to get a bit of weight off of, and, and, and in fairness, uh, those lads worked very, very hard and, and, and got up to the pace very, very quick. Um, so, you know, uh, we, we felt that we'd still leave it big. I think we, we left it um, 100 metres by 105 metres by 68, I think, you know, which is, is still fairly big. Um, so, you know, it's still one of the bigger pitches. But uh, yeah, I think, I think Gary, look, we, we've gone fairly direct, but we, we do play when we can. We play in the right areas. You know, we like to get it down and play, particularly in, in, in the opposition half. Um, 
And uh, I think we, we, we play a good mix, uh, good mixed grand, brand of football. I think there's times where we can keep it a bit better and we've been working on that. But, um, you know, we like to be purposeful with our player. We don't like just like to keep it for the sake of it. We like to, to keep it to build attack and score or get shots on target or, or, or certainly do something and we look to, to counter-attack quickly as well. So, and I think that's fairly obvious, not giving away no, away no secrets there, you know. Shelburne on Friday night, they're probably runaway league leaders at this stage. I, I can't see anybody catching them for the title. Uh, will will they be a real test? Yeah, of course they will. Look, I think, as, as I said, I think earlier, I think we were the last team to take any points off them. You know, they've won. So that would say that they've won is it eight or nine in a row then. You know, eight in a row. So um, any teams that puts, puts eight wins in a row in any division, uh, it shows that they, they know how to win games and they have that quality and they have that experience like down the spine of their team. And, you know, they, they do seem to be the standout team, you know. And, uh, yeah, I'd agree with you. I think they're going to be very difficult um, to catch unless they, you know, it, it would take a massive run by um, a team and, and for them to lose, you know, four, three or four in a row and you just can't see that at the moment. But look, you never know. I, I can't see him. I can't see him taking the foot off the gas. But um, uh, look, strange things happen in football. But like yourself, I, I can't really see it either now. But the playoffs have to be, we're sitting in third place and uh Playoffs have to be a, a very realistic target halfway through the season, as we more or less are now. Yeah, look, uh, you know, the, the boring piece that I always do is, is game by game, like, you know, and I'm going to stick with that because it's worked for us. Um, you know, yeah, okay, it's great. I think, yeah, we're second place. Is it, is it second or third? We are second, I think, isn't it? Uh, Galway, I think we're exactly. Galway are second, yeah. I think we're exact same yeah. um, goals scored and goals against, though. I think it's only the alphabet, yeah. Gar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a, it's a, probably goes on to discipline after that. But uh, yeah, um, look, I I feel you know yeah sitting in second or third. Look, but that could change any time. You know, we're only we're only I think it's three points ahead of UCD and is it four ahead of Bray? Um, so you know that's we could lose two games in a row easily at any time. We've only we've only won by a goal margin against any team to my recollection and we probably only lost by a goal to any team as well I think you know in the three games we lost so um, it's a very very tight league and it could swing either way very very quickly like like, like we wouldn't be able to I don't think anyway you know touch wood I, 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 or not touch wood sorry but I, I, I can't I can't see us um you know, doing a Shelburne, we just haven't got the the, the squad to, to put seven or eight wins together in a row. We put three in a row, and that was fantastic for us there recently. Um, but we we've real tough games coming up, and you know, Lexi Galway can put can have put four in a row. They could be the team to put six or seven or eight in a row uh, wins. Um, but we could easily turn around and, and look at our next two or three games. We've three game tough, real tough games coming up to finish off the second round of fixtures. Um, and if we can get even a a point or two out of that of those three games, if we got, you know, just looking at it, and I, and I'm not going to game by game, especially because it's you, Gary. You know, uh, anyone else, I'll give them the, <laughs> the game by game speed. But <laughs> if we can get, you know, even two or three points, you know, between two and four points out of that, I think 
uh, that'll put us in in a good stage going into uh, the last round. You know, because we picked up, I think it was a thirteen points in the first round of games. We've already picked up twelve, and if it goes the same way, you know, if you get thirteen, I'm not sure how many would make a, a playoff spot. Um, I'd imagine you'd take something like forty. Uh, but you know, if we don't, if we get there, great. If we don't, what's the harm? These boys have done brilliantly. Um, they've done their jobs already. Um, I think they've got. People excited about football in the in the in the region in Limerick again, and you know we've got to be happy with that. I think. Yeah, you mentioned people getting excited. What about the fans? I think it was fantastic for the Galway game to to finally have fans in. It was only a hundred, but it certainly seemed like a, a lot more than that. And uh, even though the result was disappointing, wasn't it great to see the fans back in the markets field? Yeah, it's fantastic. We were delighted, you know, and fans for the first time, you know, and they quickly kind of got behind us. And oh, look, we could feel that from kind of the first game of the season. You know, you can feel the energy that's generated around the city and county and the region, and you can get a lot. You can, you know, I suppose, excuse me, it shows the power of social media as well. You can feel that on social media. Social media is a great tool when it's when it's um, when it's used properly and. You know, it's used for positive to positive effect, and it has been. Um, and you know, that energy transfers, I think, even to the players. You know, um, through social media and other media platforms as well. Um, and I think it gives the lads a boost. Uh, and it certainly does, particularly modern young players. You know, they they enjoy that. Um, you know, I suppose praise and a bit of adulation or whatever way you want to look at it and, and they certainly enjoy that and they communicate that way so um, to get positive feedback is great for them through them platforms um, you know we just have to be careful that you don't be looking for that validation all the time because when you lose games and you want a bad run that that can change quite quickly um, but I, I think you know people know what um, we're about there's a long term plan there for the club uh, and it's not just about winning games. It's about you know building building something here. And I think we can't get away from that, Gary. You know, like you know, senior soccer Limerick for so long now as well. We still haven't got. I know we're renting the Marcus Field, and it's our spiritual home. But we still haven't got any solid foundation uh, for senior football in the region. And for me, that's the most important thing. Can we get, build better partnerships with with colleges and? facilities and even private facilities or you know partnerships is important for me and I think also even developing our own facility or our own training facility down the line is much more important than um, um, you know uh, aspiring to play in the in the Premier League um, I think we need to look at our underage structure and get that right and get those boys uh, uh, trained professionally and and uh, in, in maybe in, in Eight, nine, ten years time that you know that the under fourteen team will will uh, the under fourteens and fifteens will be making up the majority of the first team and they'll be you know top class young professionals and I think that's the way we need to go and and, and build build a, a, a strong uh, club off the field uh, before we we start looking for uh, you know massive huge results on the pitch and I think that's so important because you know we just don't want to do the same thing like has been done in the past and, and it just fails so I think we need to we need to get it off the pitch right first and I think with the group that's there at the moment I think 
the they're in place to do that and we just have to keep focused yeah that's great just finally um if you're looking i think there'll be sixty thousand at wembley at, at the euros do you think hopefully we'd have uh, at least a, a couple of thousand into the markets field maybe for the last round of fixtures yeah, you'd like to think so, Gary, wouldn't you? you know, I can't see it. No, there's, there's too much talk of this uh, Delta variant and, and the likes of that. So uh, I think the government are a bit nervous. You know, the case have risen again today. So, um, you know, even if we got 500, you know, uh, I think that would make a massive difference. Um, you know, I think there's plenty of space for, you know, uh, 500 or between 500 and 1,000. I, 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 um, I personally can't see the, the government giving us... Um, you know the the full capacity so uh you know even for 50 percent, i think the market field holds holds three thousand is it uh and it's there so you know officially so if we got a thousand fifteen hundred yeah we, we'd be more than happy but i i just can't see uh the way things are going but like you i'd i'd i'd, I'd uh i'd be delighted for 500 at the moment carrie i think it'd be great Okay, and is there any message to the the treaty fans and even just the other fans of the league and uh, what what you'd like to see in general for the League of Ireland this season? Well, I, I don't think, think it's about this season, Gary. I think it's about long term. I think we need to. I've spoken about this numerous times in the past. You know, for the last number of years, you know, I'm I'm going on about it. We need to develop an industry in this country and. Um, a football industry, a proper football industry. The FEI, you know, obviously have their problems and, you know, a lot of debt. So, you know, we need to get source more government funding, source more sponsorship. Um, we need to build uh, proper regional academies and facilities uh, for football uh, in this country. Um, and we need to hire more full-time coaches or if not full-time, certainly part-time. Uh, but kids need more contact hours. You need to develop the school system a lot better, um, and they need they need more contact in school and in college. Uh, and if we're serious about our football, we need to put money into it. Um, and that, whether that's through the government or or, or corporate sponsorship, but we certainly need to to build better facilities, uh, better stadiums, and and have a better plan in place to develop our younger players yeah it was interesting i was talking to somebody about the way hungary have done it now i know it mightn't be the best country from some other examples but they allow private industry to write off 100 percent of any investment in sport against tax and their football industry as you mentioned has blossomed from being okay historically they were obviously a huge footballing power bring going way back to the 1950s but in the last few years, they have the clubs have blossomed. They've got fantastic stadiums there, and obviously their their national team uh, they did so well. Probably the unluckiest team in the Euros, if you're looking at it. But um, do you think that is maybe a way forward for here if the government would agree to that? I think it's a great idea, Gary. I think the issue and that kind of stuff is is. Um, you know, should that go into a central pot then, you know, because if you if you start doing it, leaving uh, companies, you know, a lot of the companies that might sponsor rugby or, or GA before, um, before soccer or hockey or tennis or whatever, and they mightn't be 
Um, it might be as needed in those sports uh, as it is with with the likes of football, soccer, um, or you know tennis, hockey, whatever. You know, it seems the equestrian industry, you know, the horse riding industry, get a lot more, a lot of money as well. Um, but we're the most participated sport in the in the in the country, um, and in a lot of those countries in Europe, soccer is number one. If, uh, we're here, it's not number one, but it's the most participated sport. Uh, and I certainly, I don't think that reflects in in corporate or government funding um, or sponsorship. So I think there needs to be, uh, for reasons, for what reason, I don't know. Um, maybe the pulling power isn't there because, you know, originally, as we know, uh, soccer was a working class sport. And, you know, I might have got as many votes as, and, and, and it's a bit more political probably. Um, and, and the GA and the rugby have been very good at, at sourcing funding where, where football hasn't. Uh, so I think, you know, if something like that happens, maybe it needs to go into a, a, a central pot just for sport and and so that the, the other sports aren't neglected and it's not all going to the, the top two or, you know, even with football, the top three, because, you know, that, that wouldn't be fair on anyone, you know. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. And uh, hopefully we'll see something like that happen. Okay. Yeah, it'd be great. That, that, yeah. yeah, that's great, Tommy. Thanks, thanks for your time today. And obviously, oh, well, yeah. my Limerick bias and Treaty bias. Best to look for the season as well, and really oh, hope, uh, end up in the playoffs. Okay, thanks. Sound Gary. Hope to see you next week. This is the IFF TV podcast. Okay, and a huge thanks to Tommy for, for that interview. It, it was great to talk to him and uh, to get his thoughts on the season so far. For Treaty United, which for me anyway has been fantastic. Yeah, well, I hope you enjoyed the new show, guys, and let us know if you, you enjoyed the kind of format in which um, we're kind of trying to change things up a bit just to see how it goes, really. Um, yeah, huge thanks for watching. Uh, don't forget to like the video, don't forget to subscribe, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks for watching. The IFF TV podcast presented by Paul Nealon. Like, rate and subscribe.